Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome, welcome. This is Ken Rashawn live in Tampa, Florida. You can kind of tell from my background that I am live in Tampa, Florida. Oh, yeah. How are you doing, Dr. Andrea? <laughs> well, I'm good. I, I would say I can't, I can't quite tell it's Tampa, Florida, but it's a nice blue room. <laughs> yes. Well, we painted this color because of the theme today in Tampa is cod. Cod is being flown in freshly for all the patrons in Tampa. Well, that, that sounds like a winner. <laughs> How about uh, God Bless America? God, God, God Bless, bless America. America. I love that. God so, bless you, Marty. For God those of you, you who are wondering who our co-host is today, <laughs> that's Marty Kramer. He's our guest today. And uh, we just decided, uh, Marty's so amazing, we just have him on from the very get-go. Uh, so, Ken, you're in uh, Tampa. Tell us what you're doing there so we can uh, let people know and invite them to come play along. Well, we're doing a, an author and speaker mixer. And from here, we're going to Orlando. So anyone that would like to meet other authors and speakers can't guarantee there's going to be cod at every single one of these mixers, but we are going to try our best. <laughs> well, that's what they might be looking for, but they're welcome to bring it. I'll say this, though, in, in, uh, I know Marty's probably thinking this, but you got to go. You got to go to these go. mixers. Got Cotta, cotta. Uh, so right i want to quick thank our sponsors for us being here today thank you so much to bees.social cryptocurrency and crypto education amplifluence the red carpet connection the umbrella syndicate perfect publishing mymakeuplady.com menfashion.com and thank you so much to the keep smiling movement.com which is our charity of choice ken is the co-founder i'm executive director and please remember to love on us. Go to www.thekeepsmilingmovement.com. That's where you can um, make your donations to help us help save lives with smiles by giving people a dose of hope so that they can smile and be resilient through any challenge. Back to you, Ken. <laughs> well, Marty, you're probably wondering what the weather's like out here. Go ahead and ask me how the weather, weather is. How's the weather out there, Ken? It is caught out there. Caught out there. Not that caught here. Cod. Oh, I suppose cod would be. <laughs> oh, for those of you who are listening and can't see, instead of waving like I'm hot, I waved like it smelled like fish. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you're caught up in the Gulf Stream there, I see, Ken. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, let's, let's, we thanked our sponsors, right? Yes, we did. And we're you ready to, to bring our guest him? in. Let's let's sure. let's do it. I think Marty <clears throat> right. deserves an introduction. He does. Uh, this is Marty Kramer. He's a legend in the world of entertainment for more than 50 years. He has been the road tour or the production manager for more than 225 of the best known musical artists, comedians, and theatrical entertainers in the world, including most of the top 
100 musical artists in the past century. His musical clientele include the likes of Ringo Starr, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, Neil Young, The Who, The Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Simon and Garfunkel, oh, The Monkees. I could go on with all 225 and do it, he also, do it. please do please do no. <laughs> yes his theatrical clientele danzel washington debbie reynolds yule brenner mickey rooney mr t sylvester comedy uh Ron, roddy dangerfield jackie mason bill cosby you know and that's just a few people so this man has really just had an amazing world an amazing life and he's um here to show us so many things that he's done and he's worked with some of the most famous people behind the famous people as well and so we are so appreciative to have him here uh he has so many amazing stories these stories have been chronicled by his friend and they're hoping eventually to get that book published and it'll be right. called uh um a kramer and uh uh but there's always so more more stories to be told uh we don't know if they'll ever actually get to publish again <laughs> but it'll be amazing <laughs> It'll be good. It'll well, be we good. want to get this book out. Well, we this will. Going to be our, gonna... This will be our focus this year. <laughs> well, uh, you're very right, Ken. Uh, right now, uh, we're in the final stages of negotiation with Simon and Schuster, uh, who do the Superman. And um, my partner, uh, he is a retired entertainment lawyer, and he's very friendly with the legal firm that represents Simon and Schuster, uh, the lawyer there, his son has just completed one book on Leonard Cohn is into the second book. And then we figured we'd piggyback in on that release. And then we sent them the rough. They loved it. And of course there's this process and this all came about uh, pre COVID. And then of course, everything came to a standstill and uh, everybody says, great. We love it. Yeah, we'll pass it on. And then nothing. You don't hear anything. Nobody's working in the office. Everybody's at home. This guy's here. That guy's there. Everything um, draws to a halt. So we keep the line of communication open because my partner and uh, the lawyer from Simon & Schuster are very good friends. And uh, they talk back and forth. So they did a test run. They sent it to Europe, to Germany, to France, to England all around and they have people there I don't know what they're called but they they're not necessarily reviewers but they send them an excerpt of something and say what do you think is this marketable or what does it have does it catch your uh, eye is there anything special about it and they all came back positive thumbs up let's do it so now you know once you've got that then the onus is on the publisher to come forth and let's make a deal. So uh, my partner, uh, David, as well as their lawyer, are in the process of putting that deal together. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, this will come about, like you say, in 2022. Usually from the time of inception till the time of completion, the rule of thumb is usually uh, 10 months. So mm -hmm. it could conceivably come out this year but it wouldn't bother me if it came out in 2023 with you know obviously you'd have to change the forward a little bit and you'd have to put some chronological dates uh, uh, move them up a couple of three years but that's fine I mean the stories are never going to change 
and uh, it'll be a 330 page book which will send you and dr andrea complimentary uh, copies uh, uh cod for you you know just for you and cod for you uh, <laughs> for us and, uh, well you know marty to, uh, i know ken has a whole bunch of questions that sure. are about I do have a whole bunch of questions, so, but yeah. I, I actually Go want to right make ahead. a statement. You're the host. Go right ahead. Well, I want to I want to make a statement first, and this is not really for Simon and Schuster's ears, but I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you <laughs> to relay it as you need to. But I've been holding out for Simon and Schuster to publish one of my books for 12 years, and I just keep moving on without them. So just let them know I've well, been moving on without them because I there's hey my friend, there's this magic uh, word in the English language. It's called access. And yes, uh, anything we can do to help you, meeting my partner and myself, an M&D uh, artist and uh, legal and artist uh, Inc., we will do so. We can exchange particulars. We can certainly submit something. It, it doesn't hurt. The more, the merrier. The more uh, projects you can bring through the door for individuals. Times change. People change. Your contacts change. They may or may not be there anymore. Uh, there's a younger generation there. Uh, they may, I, I, I'm certain that they get bombarded daily with tons and tons of stuff. But hey, you may have something. And if you do, it would be my pleasure to uh, bring it to the next level, at least uh, get it to the right person for a review or a look. And even if they called you up and said, Ken, thanks, but no thanks, our agenda is full for this year, maybe next year, it's, it's something is better than nothing. Yeah. Well, I will send you two of my copies and you can let me know about oh, that. My and I want to tell you, if they do, if they do accept me, I would like to go after the third Leonard Cohen. I want you to do after the second Leonard Cohen, <laughs> I'll go after the third Leonard Cohen book. Well, the, <laughs> the lawyer's son is doing the second and I don't know if there's enough there uh, to for a third Leonard Cohen. Unfortunately, Leonard's uh, situation was that uh, the lady in charge of him and his financial affairs absconded with everything. And unfortunately, he ended up with nothing, uh, which forced him to go out. And he was uh, had to perform live at a very, uh, he was an old man at that time, but he was very, very well received and his concert sold out. I had the pleasure of uh, meeting him here in Vancouver at an arts club impromptu uh, show with a, with another singer songwriter by the name of Tom Northcott, who had, who was like from the hippie era in Vancouver and Tom was the host and Leonard did a small show for a little bit of a press media. And it was actually on the coattails of Tom launching his CD and he got Leonard in and Leonard consented to perform uh, a few songs. So it was quite, quite the thrill uh, to meet him and uh, to see him uh, uh, perform uh, to a very small crowd. Do you know one of my favorite songs? Suzanne. That's a good guess. No, it's, it's Hot Cod Lincoln. Hey, there you go. Thought, That's I Charlie Ryan. song was Leah. <laughs> Is it Hey Leah? <laughs> well, I mean, but but hot, no, Leah, hot I thought Leah was Donovan. I worked with Donovan, and I thought yeah. uh, Leah was uh, Leah. Ah, pardon me, not Donovan. Uh, Roy Orbison, Leah. Roy did Leah. Yes, and um, 
the one you're thinking about is Alia by Donnie Iris. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <clears throat> this so, is fun. We're having we're having fun here. Have a smile. We are having fun, and I want to have. I want to even take it up a notch. So, for our guests to hear not the the stories in sequential order, but maybe your favorite story. Let's go to that one now because I want to make sure we include that because these stories are too good to not go a little deep with them. Well, one of my uh, best ones, and it's sort of got a uh, bit of an X rated to it. It's not really, it's borderline. It's not obscene, but uh, <laughs> uh, you, if you want to bleep it, you go right ahead and I'm fine with it. Um, anyways, uh, years and years ago, I had the pleasure of uh, working on a show called uh, uh, Sugar Babies. And that was with Mickey Rooney and Ann Landon. Now, Anne was doing dancing and she was sort of like a Betty Grable and she had a great figure and she was rehearsing the girls on stage. I picked Mickey Rooney up at the hotel and brought him to the theater uh, to take him to his dress room. When we got into the theater, uh, you could see from the side of the stage that Anne was putting the girls through the paces and one, two, three, one, two, three, and working out a bunch of uh, dance steps. So uh, Mickey says, is that Ann over there? And I said, yeah. He says, "I'm watch this. He says, I'm going to walk out there, and I'm just going to come out beside her and, and, and mimic and, and start doing like a, a goose step or some, 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 some antics, something stupid. So, you, you know, I'm, I'm the production guy and his personal driver, so far be it for me to say, no, you can't do that and that. So go right ahead, Mickey. You're the star. Uh, so... He goes out there, uh, gets up alongside her, starts doing this thing. All of a sudden, she start, stops the performance. She, she looks at him and she says, Mickey, you smell wonderful. What's that you got on? And he looks at her and he says, I got a heart on. I didn't know you could smell it. Oh, my gosh. That's hysterical. <laughs> she, no turned, one... she, she turned every color of the rainbow. The girls started laughing. She thought, she says, oh, you think that's funny? She looks at the musical director and she says, speed it up. It was the equivalent of going from 33 on stage to going to 78. And these girls were kicking and jumping and, I, and she stormed off the stage. And then I met Mickey on the other side. And, and all he said to me when he was coming down the stairs off the other side of the stage was, God, hurry. <laughs> I thought I because of my hearing's a little off today because of the travel and the ear uh, I guess the the fluctuation of elevation I thought you said right. he, he had a cot on well cot on yeah we could uh, if you want to bleep it and say you got a cot on that's fine too uh, yeah that would have been uh, so nowadays <laughs> we all know how that would have been handled uh, it would have yeah, not gone true. well for him yeah. it's funny no, in hindsight but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, no offense to our listeners, and uh, if you guys want to bleep that for whatever, no, we'll it's it. fine. But we'll I, I, I thought it was a, a humorous uh, uh, scenario. Uh, in, in, in theater, uh, as you know, uh, things happen uh, at any time. I, I was also Yul Brynner's driver. And really? Yule, yes. We, rent, we rented a house for Yul, and... Uh, he was, we were waiting for his custom-built Mercedes 
stretch limo in those days to be brought uh, over uh, by boat to because they were here in Vancouver for a month and a month in Seattle. And, and, and again, I was Yule's uh, driver. Now, Yule, uh, they specified that we get this uh, fancy house for him, uh, in, in, in not in the British properties, which is like an upper levels in, in, in Vancouver, but in a, in a fancy part of uh, Vancouver, central to the theater. Anyways, the long and the short of it is we did that. Now, unbeknownst to me, when I got to the airport to pick him up, uh, his wife was there and this entourage was there. So we got these vans and everything, taking everybody to the hotel, taking him to his place. And then he says, oh, we got to stop over here by the freight. And I said, the freight? What a, what's at the freight? He says, my dog. I said, your dog? So he had a Sharpay called Taiji. So he says, mm. yeah. Says, uh, and you got that Lincoln Town car that I asked you for with the leather seats, correct? And I said, yes. He says, because cloth seats, this dog sheds, and if there were cloth seats, everybody that would sit down in the car would walk away with half this dog on them. So uh, he said, for sure, leather. I said, definitely. So he says, let's go. We got the dog. Uh, we had a van. We put the dog in the van, and we put the luggage in the van, and I proceeded to take him to the house. It had a swimming pool. Everything was really nice. And every morning I had to go there to pick him up before we went to the theater, and he always specified that he needed a copy of the New York Times. So there was only one place in town that had it, and it didn't open till 10 o'clock every morning. So I had to time it. I had to leave my house, get to the newsstand, get the paper, get back to him, and sit there. My job was to babysit the dog in addition to taking him to and fro from the theater and that. And one of the specifications that he uh, said to me was, never take the same route twice. I said, pardon me? He said, <laughs> there have been attempts on my life over the years and threats wherever I go. And I was just totally, I'd never heard these kind of uh, things before. Uh, I figured, oh my goodness, how do what, you... What would he have done that caused a threat? Uh, no idea. He never, he never divulged any of his past uh, uh, to me uh, as far as what was. But on the rider, which is one of these things that you request, yep. uh, the artist's management sends you, uh, was uh, to have two, not one, two armed guards in the theater. One at the oh. stage door and one outside his dressing room. Well, in Vancouver, you have to have a permit to carry, and you can't just suddenly, oh, I'll get Ken and Andrea, and they'll be the armed guards, and you guys carry guns and stand here and stand there. So I had to uh, go to the police commission, appear before them, and get uh, off-duty uh, police officers who wanted to do this because this was a month's engagement, and he didn't really want different guys every day he wanted sort of so i was fortunate that i got uh through to some of them that were 
uh, on holidays or they were leave of absence or whatever. And the theater uh, company paid for them to, to guard him. And when we uh, left, they left in an unmarked car and followed me. And every day I was going up a one-way street, a do not enter, uh, turning in roundabouts. I was like, I said to myself, there's not 30 different routes from where he is. So I would purposely get into the car with him. And like I drive almost home and, and, and go another way or cross a bridge and go into another town, not a township, but a, a community just for the sake of discussion to take him an alternate route. And then after that was all over, he says to me, uh, oh, by the way, by the way, he says, I don't know if you know this or not, but I am um, uh, I suffer from terminal cancer from all the years of smoking. So I said, no, I was unaware. So he says, one of the things that has to happen starting now is uh, one of these iron lung things to be delivered to this house. Now, I'm... I've rented a mansion. You got to understand. I've rented a mansion from this very wealthy family who had a number of properties here. Suddenly, I have this uh, thing similar to an iron lung delivered to their house. We couldn't get it in, so they had to take it apart and hoist it up, put it through the window in the master bedroom, and that's where he slept like Dracula. He slept in there. Now, he also had a film crew there documenting the show and everything. And then he went on to say, Marty, I'm doing a commercial for smoking. He says, the next time you see me, I'll be dead. I said, pardon mm. me? He says, I've left explicit instructions with them not to release this. So I was there when they were filming it and doing the makeup on him and putting on his black uh, jacket and black pants and shoes. And uh, he was sitting and talking about smoking and the bad effects and what it's done to him and this and that. And every time it would be, and the next time you see me, I'll be dead. And sure enough. How old was he then? Pardon? Oh, I was about 20. How old was he? Oh, oh, he was up in years. I can't remember exactly how old, but it was within a year. If you look him up uh, when he passed, it was a year before. I think, uh, needless to say, uh, immediately upon his passing, that commercial aired and I saw it. Man, was that scary. I mean, if anybody uh, was smoking at the time, I think they probably threw all their cigarettes out the window and stopped smoking. But that's a true story. I can tell. I can tell. Did you ever work with Peter Sellers? Uh, I never worked with Peter Sellers. I, I, I worked with Rodney Dangerfield. I worked with Bill Cosby. And I worked with uh, Jackie Mason. A very, very funny story of Rodney was I picked him up at the airport and I had this sign. A funny story of who? Mr. Which Rodney one? Marty? Marty who, which Rodney one? Dangerfield. Oh, Rodney and Dangerfield. I picked him up and, you know, I'll I say one thing about Rodney before you start. Before you start, I want to tell you that Rodney is one cod individual oh yeah he's a cod individual i got you i like it uh <laughs> i picked him up at the airport and i had to sign mr dangerfield when he saw me he came over and he said 
the name is Rodney, and what is your name? And I said, Marty. He says, do me a favor, would you? Grab my bag. I says, of course. So I, which one is it? He says, it's coming down now. Well, this thing, when it got to the top of the roller, it literally, just like uh, going 100 miles an hour down a ski slope, crashed to the bottom. And I figured, oh, my goodness, this has got to be a heavy bag. So I reached over to get it. And I found myself knocking all the people over beside me. Oh, excuse me, this and that, stumbling. I couldn't hold. It was so heavy. I couldn't. I couldn't. I was double. I tried to grab it with both hands. I couldn't get it out of there. So finally, I saw a porter, and I said, "Excuse me, stop that bag." And I ran around and I excused myself to everybody. He's laughing. He's howling. So I finally <laughs> get it out. Get it on a cart. Get it into the car with the help of this. And I figure how. I mean, I'm not going to worry about it too much because he wanted to go to the theater first and then to the hotel. So I figured I'll just leave it in the trunk and I'll get the bellman at the Four Seasons to deal with it. So we get to the uh, re rehearsal hall and he says to me, uh, be a good man and bring the bag into the dressing room. Well, yeah, oh, sure. I says, let me show you where the dressing room is. I get him into the dressing room and all he had on the rider was coffee, tea, honey, sugar, uh, butter, and rye bread. And I figure, oh, okay, uh, whatever. Uh, so, and hot water. So I go back out and I get the union guys to help me. We get the bag on a cart. We wheel it into the dressing room. He says, put it up in the corner on the table there. So fine, he says, where's the stage? I show him. He does an impromptu five minutes comes off and he says, boy, I'm starved. Let's eat. So I said, well, hold on. I'll go to my production office. I'll get a bunch of menus. We'll order in whatever you want. It's on the, um, it's on the company, the production company, whatever you want. He says, no, no, we're eating here. So I says, okay, well then I'll have it ordered in. As I say, if you don't want to go out and then he says, I want to have a little lie down and we'll go to the hotel afterwards. He says, there's a very short period between the time of arrival and showtime. So I said, cool. So he says, uh, okay, let's eat. So I look, let's eat what? So he says, uh, open the bag. I says, open the bag, open the bag. So for yourself, Dr. Andrea, and our listeners, take a guess what was in that bag. Cod? <laughs> close, close. Give that lady a prize. Very close. Take a guess again. One more and then I'll tell you. Peanut uh, butter? That's a tough... No. Uh, <laughs> sardines. Was salmon. Sardines. Very close. Really? Every sardine known to man. Wow. Mustard, he's doing... oil. Wow. Uh, from, uh, from Switzerland, from Norway. <laughs> every kind of sardine. So he says to me, you like sardines, don't you? <laughs> What are you going to say? Oh, yeah, 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 I love sardines. So he says, good. He says, see the ones over there? And I guess he didn't like those kind. So he says to me, you can have anything you want there, but you can't have any of these. So I said, well, whatever. I says, maybe I'll pass. He says, no, no. He says, I, I would really like to uh, share, you know, some sardines with you. Let's. Let's have uh, a snack. I'm hungry. 
So I said, fine. So I forget what he took out, whether it was in mustard or uh, Thai sauce or whatever. And he slapped these sardines out of the tin onto uh, some bread, buttered the bread, put them on there, made a sardine sandwich. I, I said, uh, I'll get the ones with uh, water because I like the ones with water. So I got the ones with water and I made a sardine sandwich and I sat in the dressing room and I had a sardine sandwich with Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> Yummy. It's funny. He said that he wanted to share them with you. He really said, should have said, I really don't have anyone that will eat these and I don't want to. Yeah, take them back. well, that's what I gathered. I mean, in, in those days, I wasn't a stickler for looking at expiration dates. For all I know, they could have been 30 years old. <laughs> You've been dragging them around, wanting to get them out of a suitcase. Well, that's uh, just it. And we're uh, at break time. <laughs> we are at break time. So we are going to be back in a couple minutes. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Influencers lead, but on Twitter, they also follow. Check out what the influencers are saying and talk back to us with your great ideas. Follow the Voice America Influencers channel on Twitter at VA Influencers. That's at VA Influencers and join in. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Well, we are not going to take a lot of time for doing introductions again and sponsors. We are going to cut right back to Marty. Marty. Uh, thank you. During the break, you were singing two of my favorite songs. He was singing uh, Two Cod by Cool and the Gang, yeah. and he was singing Cod Stuff by Donna Summers. Thank you yeah. very much for those little interludes. Yeah. And Cod bless you all. Cod bless you all. <laughs> well, Lee Greenwood's Cod Bless USA has always been. A That's right. Cod bless USA. I love it. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. We need more hours so we can go through all the Cod. Uh, hits that there have been. <laughs> Can you think of any other? With your best cod. Ooh, I'm yeah. sorry. Right. I there got we go. in on it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Um, so Marty, too, you, Ken, we, yeah, well, we do need to share that, uh, that he does represent Gino Jerusi. So those right. of you who uh, watched our show a couple weeks ago, uh, Gino is the singer who came up with the song, Why Can't We Live as One? And you can right. see that song at www.thekeepsmilingmovement.com. Exactly. So if you guys would please listen to the whole song, like it, share it, subscribe Definitely. to our channel. We would like to make that the next We Are the World song. Um, and really well, absolutely. Get it out there. It's got great uh, potential, like Dr. Andrea says, and uh, thank you guys for putting it on there. He's also uh, got that uh, other song, the singing uh, construction worker. And if you 
look at that and you see a guy in construction garb and suddenly opens his mouth, you go, oh, my goodness, uh, I, I can't believe what's coming out of this man's mouth. A, a brilliant uh, artist, songwriter, singer, uh, good friend and client and uh, very fortunate to have reconnected uh, with him. I utilized him for years on uh, touring as a drummer slash vocalist, but uh, not really as a lead vocalist, merely as uh, BG vocals in that, in the various configurations of Legends of Rock and Roll that I uh, worked on. You know, on it, there's a hard to find a 45 of that, that song that we were just speaking of. Um, and it's a, on the B side is Rodney Dangerfield singing with them. Why can't we all eat cod? And <laughs> that's right. I they love that no version. Respect. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh yeah. Rodney was quite, quite the guy rapping. Well, Rodney he had a hit. Do you remember he had a hit? He had a song. Yeah, I think he did. He, I have his album. Get no respect. And, right. Uh, that's, that's very cool. And, uh, like I say, uh, over the years, I've been blessed. Uh, I got my start uh, at a very young age of 15 in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. I was fortunate enough to hook up with a band that played community halls and schools and school dances and all sorts of uh, proms and you have it and uh, associated myself uh, and became friends. It turns out that the lead singer of that band transitioned in to none other than the lead singer of the Guess Who, Burton Cummings. I was very fortunate to spend 27 years of my life with Burton, inseparable as his friend, his uh, manager, uh, booking agent, tour manager, uh, merchandiser, you name it, we did it uh, together. Now, that uh, portion of my life was unbelievable because, you know, 70s, 80s, so on. Then I transitioned right out of that to another legendary uh, performer whom I spent 20 years of my life with, Randy Bachman, who was the former lead guitarist of the Guess Who and then went on to form Bachman Turner Overdrive. Again, uh, friends from Winnipeg, but when my run with Burton terminated. Randy called me and he said, oh, I understand you're no longer uh, working with uh, Burton. And I said, correct. He said, well, how would you like to come and work for me? So I think there was only a, a lapse of three to five days between gigs. And suddenly I'm at the helm with Randy. And uh, possibly a little known fact to our viewers and listeners, BTO uh, had more success with less albums than the guess who I think the guess who had 13 albums. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, BTO three to five, three for sure, but maybe five max. Uh, and they generated more revenue in those than the guess who did. Uh, and of course, Randy being part of two national anthems, one American woman, the other taking care of business. And I was responsible over the years for putting every configuration of every reunion ever done worldwide for both the Guess Who and Bachman 
uh, Turner. And in 2001, we got an invite from the Rolling Stones to come to Toronto to be a part of SARS. And at that time, uh, the bill was local bands as well as Rush, ACDC, the Guess Who, and the Rolling Stones. Now, we were on a Canadian tour of 43 cities, sold out in every city with the Guess Who reunion. And we were flying high at the time. And our set list, of course, included taking care of business as well as American Woman. And most bands usually end sets with those type of songs for the encore. We were, had so many hits and so many songs that we were able to do them in the middle. And I'll never forget uh, reading an article about how the Stones had said um, prior to coming to Toronto, they had played for 375 or 400,000 people in Brazil or South America, somewhere. And they were looking forward to the sellout here in Toronto for the SARS, which they hosted. Now, when we arrived, we, they had a train. And we went from uh, downtown Toronto to the train station uh, via vans. Then we got on this train. Now, this train took about 40 minutes to get from downtown Toronto to the site on a dedicated rail line. And then it stopped about two miles away. And there was this frontage road that was totally blocked off to anybody else. Nobody could access it. And that's how we were uh, brought in there. And uh, it left sort of every hour, every two hours on the hour because bands were coming in, bands were going out. The long and the short of it is when we arrived there, I said to one of these guys there, I said, uh, so many people are here today. This is 550,000. <laughs> what? Uh, 550,000. I had played to 20, to 30, to 40,000 seats. This was like uh, 20, 30, there were so many thousands and thousands more people. So I said, amazing. So I went and told the guys. So when we went out and we did our set, prior to our set, uh, Rush played. And uh, they came down, then we set up. Then uh, while we were setting up, ACDC arrived. And I had done tours with ACDC before and worked uh, production for them in Vancouver and Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatoon over the years. So I was pretty friendly with them. So I said, uh, you guys are next. And then the Stones follow you. And they said, correct. So the bottom line was we set up. I said to Angus, if you want to uh, hang by the side of the stage, uh, I suggest you come out for American Woman or taking care of business and uh, keep an eye on uh, what's going down uh, on the on that stage, which he did. And unbeknownst to me, I looked over and the Stones had arrived. And Ron Wood and Keith Richards <clears throat> had also come up into the wings, into the VIP area there. So uh, not a bad uh, viewing audience from the side of the stage, you know? It probably so, inspired it probably inspired Jeff Lynn to create the traveling Wilburys after he, that happened. Well, that's uh, that's a good uh, that's a good thought. Yeah, you're probably you could be right. You could be onto something there. 
So the long and the short of it is when we did taking care of business and Randy used to go da 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 stop incite the crowd. Then he'd say, you want to hear some more? Put his hand uh, like this by his ear. Do it again. Then in the middle, he would go clap your hands. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When Randy, when Randy said clap your hands, I looked over to the side of the stage and the stage was literally vibrating. We were 40 feet up in the air and the stage was just like a, a trampoline. I looked over to the amp line and all the liquids, all the water, all the uh, tuners, everything were starting to move forward. I figured, oh my goodness, if we keep this up, I'll have a flood on the stage. And that's so I immediately alerted the stage crew and they ran around the other side to stabilize. I stayed on this side. In the meantime, I'm standing beside Angus. I'm standing behind Ron, uh, beside Ron and Keith and they're watching this. And when he says, clap your hands, all the DB meters buried. They were gone. They, every one of them that was at the side of the stage, behind the amp line and that, they were all buried. You could not uh, see the needles. It was so loud. And it was like the movie uh, Easy Rider, where you're going down the highway and you see the heat rising off the pavement. Well, Rule of thumb in any concert is 15 to 20 rows you see. After that, you don't see because of the lighting and the spots and the specials. So any, any performers that are downstage don't see that. So the bottom line is, we, it was nothing. It, like it was oblivious. You didn't know it like was, you didn't know what it was after 17. There was millions, you know, hundreds of thousands of people there, but you couldn't see them because it was just like one big blur. But I'll tell you what, when he said, clap your hands, you could sure hear him. And that was one of the scariest things for me being on a stage like that. And it literally, the earth shook. It shook. And it was a moment that you can never relive. And then, you know, we ended and of course everybody went down and we closed our set, not with Americans, we closed our set with Share the Land. And we had everybody with the lighters back and forth and the glow sticks mm -hmm. back and forth. What a, what a moment. And then if that, if that wasn't the do-all be-all, I get to the bottom of the stairs and uh, one of my friends from the Rolling Stones entourage comes up and he said, man, what a great show. He says, Ron and Keith came back and we're ranting and raving. He says, how'd you like to bring the boys in and hang uh, till they go on? He says, ACDC's on for 75 minutes. I says, well, you know, by rights, we're supposed to go. We're supposed to take the next train back because ACDC's on. So he says, hey, you don't mind riding back with ACDC after their performance, do you? I said, no, no, we'll ride with whomever as long as we don't miss the train. And for sure, you can't hold the train up for the stones because it's their train. So uh, he says, right, come on in. And he took us into a Quonset, which was, uh, it was like at an air airfield. And this Quonset was uh, as big as a football field. And it had pipe and drape in it, large screens, 
food, everything. And he says, make yourself at home. Watch ACDC on the big screen and everything. Just relax. And out of the clear blue, some of the stones just wandered in. Uh, hello, hello, hi, hi, hi. And then uh, Ron said, uh, why don't you guys come in and say hi to, uh, hi to Mick and Charlie? So we said, sure. So I got the band. We went in. And it was a very, very funny story because Gary Peterson, who had been the drummer for the Guess Who for, oh, 35, 40 years at the time and played on every album, he comes in and he locks eyes with Charlie and he walks up and he says, uh, Mr. Watts, I'm Mr. Peterson. Charlie looked at him and he said, what is your first name? And he said, Gary. He said, I'm Charlie. So I thought that was really, really cool. And yeah, then uh, Ron took us up. Of course, Mick was in a, in a in another area there and getting makeup and trying on shirts and doing stuff and that. So he knocked and he said, uh, the boys are here. And uh, he came out and he was very gracious and he welcomed us. I had done uh, different slots with uh, uh, Bridges of Babylon, the Steel Wheels Tour. Actually, in my book, but I can uh, give a bleep, in 1966, I put the Rolling Stones on stage in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. I took a picture backstage in the dressing room with a Polaroid camera of Mick Jagger. I developed it, and before the show ended, he signed it to Marty Mick Jagger. Uh, the, uh, it was, I think it was the 11th or the 17th of uh, June or July, 1966. And mm. I still have that picture, which will be in the book, which is an amazing uh, photo. And uh, I sort of uh, reiterated when we were there at SARS, I just said, uh, it's been a long time because they do so many shows and see so many people touring constantly over mm. the years. I said, this was probably, let's see, the first, second, third. It might have been a for, oh yeah, and, and also Seattle, the Kingdom. I did I did those shows. Uh, so the bottom the bottom line was this was probably my fifth time being in their company uh, in a casual uh, scenario this time, not in a working capacity. And when it was are you going to really be a buzz? When are you going to be with them again? Are, is there That's another event? That's a very good question. I'd love I'd love nothing more <clears throat> than to go to Europe and see the 60th. Because I think I, I firmly believe in my heart that after they do that, I don't think there's anything more to do. I mean, what are you going to try for 70, 75th anniversary? You'll be 100 years old. I mean, right. you don't have to prove anything. Well, the 50th, they're, they're, the 50th is the is the culminating one, I think. <clears throat> well, but this is the 60th coming. So I know. I understand. I'm saying you got more, to go. Yeah, I don't think it could get better. Yeah. The no, I mean, and it was interesting. I read an article the other day about Mick uh, wondering, uh, they asked him a, a couple of three questions, and one of them was, uh, uh, what's going to be the toughest thing? And he said, uh, finding a set list to appease all the listeners. Because everybody really wants to hear the old, the classics, the legendary stuff. And it's funny, it's ironic. Uh, they're coming out, and two days ago, Led Zeppelin announced they're coming out. Wow. Now, it's going to be interesting to see because uh, years ago, the Stones rehearsed in Toronto at Air Canada, 
at, at the airfield there in a hangar. And right after they left, Zeppelin had booked that uh, hangar to rehearse. And that was prompted by, I don't know if our listeners uh, remember, uh, there was, um, uh, it wasn't Whitesnake, it was, um, there was a Kingdom Come, this heavy metal band called Kingdom yep. Come. It was actually yeah, yeah. A, clo- a Zeppelin clone pretty well. And they were touring on a heavy metal uh, tour, which I did with White Snake and White Zonica, a bunch of really, really heavy bands. And Plant saw them, and he was really upset. Rather than be happy about it, he he sort of took it the wrong way. He should have been happy that they were uh, doing something. He, He got so hot that he said, I'll bury these guys kind of thing. And they booked this hangar, and they were supposed to put Zeppelin back together in those days, way back, uh, with uh, Jason Bonham, John Bonham's son, who I also did some dates mm-hmm. with. But uh, I don't know God's truth. There was a picture of them the other day, and it was either on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, where uh, John Paul Jones is there, Plant is there, Page is there, and I don't know who the fourth person is. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive it's not Jason Bonham, but I would really love to know who the drummer is going to be because those are big shoes uh, to fill. It's Huge. not going to be like Kenny Jones or any of those kind of we're guys. Gonna recommend gonna Kenny, be- we're going to recommend Ke- Kenny Aronoff for this. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny Aronoff is, is a salt of the earth. I worked with Kenny over the years many times. I actually did a drum clinic with him in Toronto with Corky Lang of Mountain, uh, whom I represented, and the guess who, Gary Peterson and that, when we were on tour way back when, and he was the salt-of-the-earth mm-hmm. guy. Fabulous, fabulous drummer, and uh, love him dearly. Great, great guy. Well, guess what, Marty? We're running out of time, and we got to ask some more questions here real quick. So these are the fast ones. This is the rapid-fire ones. So you ready? Okay. So we're yep. going to go as fast. No explanation needed. We're just going to go as many as possible, as quick as possible. Okay, Ken, Ready? did you see my message on him and fa- rapid fire? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Marty doesn't do well with rapid fire. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to try. Gonna, we're gonna All, try. Right. All right. We'll try. I, prompted, I prompted you pretty well. So you, you got, uh, I know you got a big album collection. What are the three albums you'd have to take with you if you had to go to space to Mars? If I had to go to space... Uh, Tomorrow, uh, I take uh, the best of the guess who, uh, Mountain, and uh, uh, probably uh, the very first Rolling Stones album. Awesome. Good job, Ken. Good job. All right, Andrea. Um, Marty, when you were a little kid, what did you want to grow up and be before you knew about music and what you could do with that? Uh, Very good question. I didn't really know. I didn't know if I'd ever grow up. So, (laughs) to be honest... uh, I don't know. That's a, that's one that I never had any aspirations to be anybody or anything. You you just went to school. Well, I'm going to cut you off, right. Marty. Back to Ken. <laughs> I'm going to cut you off because this is the rapid. Here we go. Who's who's someone you never met that you wish you could have met? Uh, good one. Uh, let's see. Ooh. John Kennedy. John F. Okay. Kennedy. Awesome. Andrea? Can you continue? Because we're almost out of time. Okay. What is uh, what's a quote you live by, Marty? Pardon me. What's a quote that you live by? 
oh, uh, as long as I owe you money, you'll never be broke. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, I came up with a couple more songs that I think are kind of near and dear to our heart. Marty, if you don't mind, I'll just share a couple. Sure. Remember, uh, remember Foreigner's hit, uh, Cod Blooded? Cod Blooded? Cod Blooded, that's right. And uh, you, I love the uh, the dance moves of Buster Poindexter. Cod, cod, cod. Remember that one? Uh, that's right. That was Fabulous. that was a nice one. I love it. You're doing your <laughs> and then homework, just to go man. for a little bit. Of... <laughs> well, to do the urban appeal, we uh, you remember Nelly? It's cod in here. Remember that <laughs> cod, cod in here? here yeah. It's getting <laughs> cod in here. It's getting yeah. hot in here. <laughs> that's right. So Marty, yeah. I am I am so Pick excited about hooks. these stories and reading your book. I mean, I can tell there's just so much more. And it you never videotaped? Did you videotape or get any of this stuff to be captured uh, live? Well, to be to be very honest with you, we only did audio uh, with my partner. Uh, I could easily do video. I've had uh, offers to do an audio book uh, as well, uh, but fortunately for our listeners. Uh, and that everything from 1979 to probably 2005 or 2007, about every band pretty well that I worked with, sound checks, rehearsals, and that where I was permitted concerts and that I have. In every format known to man, I've taped everything. So that I have. I have beta, uh, VHS, MP3s, uh, 8, Super 8. Well, I want like I want to make a request. I want you to adopt me for the next time there's a reunion of great musicians. And I want to be the person that videotapes it, photographs it. And most importantly, that we get these uh, cards that say, keep smiling in the hands of these musicians. Oh, I love it. I love it. Most than anybody yeah, those else. Those are fabulous. I love those. Keep smiling, everybody. Yeah. Another one of my favorites is take a positive, take a negative and make it a positive. And now we can add keep smiling to my coin a phrase the caught a phrase i could uh, keep smiling <laughs> the caught a phrase well i gotta say marty this is one show where i just enjoyed listening i i really enjoyed every single thing you had to share you, you. are a, a wealth of just amazing stories that you just have to pinch yourself and say man is there a possibility that anybody could live and have that many great experiences so thank you for sharing these blessings and no, no, thank God you for being you a all. leader and, and the longevity wow so you've been yeah. amplified we can't wait to put your version of the story into the dose of hope because there's people that don't know that what you've created in your life you decided to create and so i just applaud That's you right. and I'm, I'm so excited to know you yeah thank you and thank you for having me dr andrea and ken as well and uh uh like i say the key word for everybody to remember is access and you know keep smiling and you can do it i mean it's a big world out there you're here for a good time not a long time and touch as many people as you can and give back uh and uh just bring the story to the forefront i, I I'm, I'm you know i don't i don't get involved in these political things i don't get involved in rallies and that i just bring the music to the people the stories to the people and uh, 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 keep on smiling. Well, thank you, Marty. Love you. You're awesome. I look forward God to meeting bless. you in person. Take care. For sure. God bless. Thank God bless. You. God bless. God bless. <laughs> God bless. <laughs>
We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.